Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. My name is Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga, this is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. Welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back. I've got a great show for you this evening. Tonight we had the honor and the privilege to speak with Jason Newcomb. Jason is a musician, a writer, and host of the podcast Music, Meaning, Mystery. Jason shared some great stories with us about synchronicity, spirit contact and dreams, and even summoning dragons. I had a great time talking to him, and I hope you have a great time listening to it. So without further ado, let's get to it. Jason, welcome to the Nightbird Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's great to have you on. Thank you for being on. I know you had come on wanting to tell a few stories of your own, but uh, before we get into that, why don't you you know tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. I'm a writer and a musician. I currently live in the British Columbia interior in Canada. And I'm the host of the podcast called Music, Meaning and Mystery. And that's located on, you know, pretty much everywhere you find podcasts and music, meaning and mystery.ca. Awesome. Tell me something about your childhood growing up. Did you have experiences any paranormal experiences that you can remember? Or? So my childhood was in a small town in Atlantic Canada. Uh, I was, yeah, I'm a Maritimer. And I was born in 1978. In 1975, my parents had converted from Catholicism to Jehovah's Witness. So the environment I grew up in was significantly restrictive. Um, I'm a child, I'm like the last of five children, but my parents had four children, a 12 year gap, and then me. Uh, so it's a little bit like I have a step family and mostly I grew up uh, alone in my imagination, following my dog in the yard, um, a, a lot of being alone, just staring at bugs, uh, being alone in trees, listening to the leaves, eating apples. We, I grew up in an old apple orchard. So paranormal, I don't recall any such experiences um i did well i had a period where i was kind of inventing languages um and i would sort of end up speaking in tongues excellent i didn't really know what that was but i knew that i enjoyed kind of zoning out and saying a bunch of syllables and all of a sudden they'd kind of say themselves I do remember that, um, 
but anything I, I, I grew up kind of thinking I had to be suspicious of everything about myself uh, because there were consequences to, you know, coloring outside the lines, but I had this secret life of imagination uh, that uh, became a, that was very encouraged by my parents until it's, I started to have a secret life in the dark places of the imagination. Um, I liked drawing as a kid a lot and my parents, you know, would display my drawings of lions and stuff on, on the fridge. But when I started drawing demons, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that scared my parents and I had, I realized I had to hide that and that, that was, you know, not welcome. So I did have like a, a lot of it had to do a lot of my exploration of myself had to do with the imagination. And I realized early on, well, I guess I didn't really understand at that point, but I understand that now that early on I, I discovered the imagination was a lot larger than, uh, than most people assume. Right. I like the idea of the imagination being bigger, far bigger than, than what we give it credit for. I think that a lot of the, the limiting beliefs that come to us from various different sources in that case, you know, it was a strict religious context, right? But it could be from the TV or it could be from the news or whatever it is. If it can shrink my ability to perceive it, it effectively shrinks it for me. That's my experience is that my imaginal has become small. And so I think that one of the most amazing parts of this journey is coming back into relation with just how big it is. God isn't in the world. The world is in God. And I feel that way about the spirits too, in the spirit world. Um, there aren't spirits in the world. The world is embedded in the spirit. Uh, I know you had some stories that you wanted to tell. Do you want to go ahead and, and start with one of those? Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned paranormal as a kid, which I don't have any recollections of. Um, but growing up when I became an adult, I did, uh, make some escape efforts <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, I had to make a few before it worked. Um, I remember picking up a book about meditation. It was meditation for dummies, but even like flakier than that. Uh, because I knew that meditation existed. Uh, and for some reason, it was just a random thing that I, I was like, I, 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 I want to try this. But this is like not allowed, right? Right. But that was when I was, my uh, quote unquote faith was wavering. Right? right. So I picked up the book and it was basically sit down and do nothing and pay attention right i was like well i can do this it's, it seems innocuous enough first time i ever tried this i sit in the living room 
and uh, I do this meditation and it works. I start to feel kind of not there anymore. I start to disappear a little bit. And then suddenly my awareness of the room expands and I realize I'm aware of another presence sitting in the chair across the room from me. It freaks me out, obviously, because in my conditioning, that's demons, right? So I open my eyes and that sensation does not go away. And then I got really freaked out (laughs) because I was looking at this chair and I still had this sense that someone was sitting there. So I went outside and I went for a walk and I tried to shake that off. And while I was trying to shake that off, I felt as if I was being watched. I was being um, communicated with. I felt like someone was there in my consciousness with me. I managed to shake that off and went really hard into, you know, my parents' religion just to give it my best effort. It's uh, and I burnt out and it's when it started to make me unhealthy that I started to really get out of there gradually, you know, it's a a process. I became interested in the ideas of Grant Morrison through comic books. And he's got some interesting ideas about the imagination um, and slow by slow, I kind of accidentally discovered, uh, the, you know, even f- more potential the imagination had. And I stumbled upon this mental game, uh, when I was bodybuilding, um, just a short paragraph in a bodybuilding book. Don't dismiss the idea that the power of visualization So I tried that and it worked. I got way better results and I got way more motivation and way more energy. And I thought to myself, well, can I do that for my music? And, and then I started really going deep into the visions that I was having when I would close my eyes and relax for 20 minutes. And I could see, I was taken to the stars and I would be taken to the sun in front of the sun. And I'd see like these monsters with no skin, just flesh monsters. and Very, very, very strange, intense visuals, rainbow uh, paths into the stars and stuff. And somehow I knew it had to do with my music. I didn't know why I knew that. There was no music in the visualization. I just knew that it would change my music. And then one day I started playing music and I realized I'm being influenced by my visions. And I started on this kind of jam going a certain direction and completely changed the way that I made music. And from that point on, I was a different kind of musician. So that's why, like, I call that mind over genre, right? (laughs) 
I love that. I, I love had that. a certain idea of how music ought to be made, but you know, these visualizations changed that uh, essentially over overnight. Um, and then later on, I kind of started exploring this stuff and finally got out of this environment that I was restrictive in. And I started realizing there's a lot more going on to how, how a human being uh, navigates the world, right? Then, then, you know, you get a job and you follow the rules and there's something very um, curious, mysterious going on. And then in meditation one day, the memory of my first meditation came up and I realized, oh, I have to go there and complete this loop. And I have to go sit in the chair across from myself and give myself a bit of a bit of a scare. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise I'll always be in there. I'll be stuck in there. So I have to exploit this chink in the armor, right? Just yes. to open it up, to let the light through a little bit. So that's like the, I've realized that where I'm sitting now is I'm thinking that life isn't the line. It's like a, it's like a piece of music where themes return and you return back on these themes. I, I don't think even time travel is the right word for it. I think right. thinking about it musically is a better way for me being a musician <laughs> to think about it, I think is uh, you, there's a line and there's a rhythm, but you're always cycling back to the themes. Um, I think that's a wonderful way to put that. There's something about some dream logic there too, right? Like you knew that you had to go there and complete that loop. You know how, when you have a dream and maybe you do something in the dream or you go somewhere in the dream or you experience something in the dream, you know that you can close that loop that day by following what you did in that dream and doing that. Um, I know I've had experiences with, with spirit contact in dreams that were a lot like that. Sometimes I did it knowingly and sometimes I did it unconsciously. Uh, that's really fascinating too. And I like what you said about you had to give yourself a little bit of a scare. Uh, that's what great art does, right? It has to pierce the arm. It has to get through somehow. And sometimes the stuff that I like the most it, it jerked me into a, into a response, into some sort of a gut level uh, core response. Like it, and I might not have even known that it was happening at the time. And it just translated to me as maybe like sometimes even repulsion, but then I can't find, I can't help, but go back to it. It's like when I was a kid and I couldn't stop watching things about aliens, even though I was scared of them, but I was also obsessed with them. Yeah. 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 I understand that. Yeah. I definitely had a period in, in my childhood, like I said, where I was like, I was scared by the stuff I was drawing. <laughs> yeah. Right. But right. I, I knew that I had, I've just felt like I'm compelled, like to, to, uh, to bring these things to life in some way so that they wouldn't be amorphous fear things. Right. So right. They would have a shape, right. Uh, something that I could understand. Maybe, I don't know. When you write, do you feel that, um, that there's some connection there with that same activity? Uh, for music, I would say so. 
for writing, like writing, writing, uh, yeah. I think I'm too new to that and I'm not adept enough, but for music is certainly I'll go back sometimes as, as egotistic as this may sound, you do have to listen to your own music <laughs> to, in okay. order to get better at it. It's like, don't trust a chef that doesn't taste his own food. Or her own right. food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, have I do sample my own food, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so and I do my best to not serve up garbage meals. Um, I don't always succeed, but I, I do, I do go li and listen back. And for instance, in relating to the story I just told you, I had written a, a story, uh, a, a written a song, sorry, back in I don't know two thousand something. Um, that was that was called fear of time travel. <laughs> yeah, and it that is was awesome. it was the lyrics are you know you know come to me in dreams and um, I, I'm not going to try to analyze what it is that I wrote because it's always changing, but it definitely has to do with that sort of that sort of loop and the. Um, forming a harmonious relationship with your demons right yeah uh, so yeah definitely when i write i'm the way that i write is sort of like glossolalia where i'll repeat uh, uh, uh rhythm or melodic phrasing over and over and over and over and over until i'm zoned out and then i'll start to mumble and then syllables come out and I'll just kind of keep doing that sometimes for like an hour, right? And then eventually the, a word forms out of those syllables, like a, a word that I understand to be an English word. And I don't question it. I just go with it. I don't care if it's, if I say frog or, you know, or something that makes no sense. And, it, and then I completely write something made of words that is incoherent. And then I go find the coherence in there. And then I tweak the levels a little bit till it, until it's just feels right, you know? And then, so the songs are like always on the edge of coherent and incoherent. So they're always living in this liminal space. So every time you're going back to them, they're, they're changing. They're changing. They're always changing because you can't, completely grasp like a, it's they're not they're not irrational right so yeah that's 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 the way that i write so i like you were asking if if you think i'm making contact i do think especially with this research project about music that i've undertaken now before i thought it was just okay that's how people write music right <laughs> and I, right and then i realized as i started playing with other <laughs> musicians like okay no this is not really the way that people do things some people do um but with the, with this music research project i've i've realized there's something that our ancient ancestors understood about music that is inherently uh spirit you will um, that it, it is some sort of bridge between here and there, uh, but I don't completely understand it. Obviously, it's too. It's very. It's a big thing. <laughs> Who would want to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would take all the fun out of it. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Thank you for sharing that with me. That's a really cool to get a, an eye into your process. What you described is, and it just reminds me of what you said, because I do this in my writing sometimes where if a sentence flows a certain way, but I don't have the word, I'll just make one up or a sound or a phoneme, something that fits to preserve that flow where it's like, yeah, this is more about how it sounds, or maybe it's just as much about how it sounds as what it's saying. Yes. I would, I would sacrifice. I think I'd be more inclined to sacrifice meaning in favor of the right sound and rhythm. (laughs) Yeah. And it took me a while to get there. Yeah. That these things, I've, I feel like these songs aren't, you know, I started at the beginning, I wanted to express myself, but I realized I did after a while, I realized this is, I don't want it to be an expression of me. I want it to be an expression of, I don't know, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. And, of the other. Yeah. And it's just, so this is not about putting into, into words, something that's inside of me. It's about me listening to something that's coming to me. And I think, you know, whatever's communicating to us is not necessarily communicating, you know, in the English language, the, the grammar that we're used to. It's got its own, its own grammar. And it has a lot more to do with rhythm and, and flow and harmony and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, well put. Some of the barbarous names, or even like the phonetic Greek that turns into just vowel sounds and, and whatever, PGM, a lot of the Gnostic writings have the same thing. And I think a lot of the ancient Christian magic and rituals have it, right? And I think it almost does the same thing where it puts you in this performative place where you're not really worried about... Because I, then I had another conversation with a friend of mine who was talking about when he performed the headless right again and again and doesn't didn't feel like it was clicking until he didn't care if he was saying it right or not. Uh, and so you did have a story about the headless right, and I would love to hear that. Yeah. So yeah, let's so we're we'll we're jumping ahead a couple of stories, which is gonna be fun because we'll do the closing the loop thing. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, you know, this, it's a fractal, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. So I was in a place where I just felt I wanted to shake things up. Um, so I, despite my better judgment, decided I would try this headless right thing um, because it seemed a little bit outside my comfort zone. Um, it seems slightly dangerous. Um, and you know, something I had to, I had to grow. I had to grow. I had to scare myself a little bit. Right. Um, so I, at the time was, uh, the manager of a large apartment complex, all large, uh, 12 stories. So I decided I would do this right on the roof because I had access to the roof they had a beautiful view of all of Vancouver and the mountain range um, and the open sky (laughs) right awesome 
So this is the headless write as per chaos protocols. My favorite version. Yeah. So I, and it's, I don't have like a deep understanding of the history of all this or anything like that. Uh, so I, you know, as far as I was concerned, uh, this was a right that I was interested in and uh, I didn't completely understand it or anything like that. Not sure I still do. Um, so I, I went up there um, as the sun was going down. It was a miserable day, as many Vancouver days are. Uh, just drizzly, damp, gross <laughs> day, uh, cold. And I did the right. And like your friend there, I was like, ah, I guess nothing really happened. Um I got the sense of like large, I, I was dealing with certain, um, I had a relationship with certain uh, characters at that time. I felt the sense that one in particular was watching uh, music related. Um, and then I, I finished the right and I was like, oh, I don't smoke cigarettes, but if I, I would smoke a cigarette now, it just felt kind of like, okay, I'll take a little break. This is, this is okay. I did a thing. I don't know. And then as I was walking back to the penthouse door to go back down, penthouse, I mean, penthouse as in stairwell, um, right. not an apartment, um, I got hit in the eyeball with like a green light that like felt like it was burning my eyes. And that got my attention. And um, I'm pretty dense for this sort of thing like it's i'm quite actually rather skeptical <laughs> you know and love it I, I have deep imagination i accept everything my imagination tells me is real there's like the relationship i have with that is i'm ready to dismiss it all the time right um so i i'm like what the fuck is this thing so I look around and I see in an apartment building adjacent, like a, like a block away or something, somebody was in their apartment uh, shining a, like a telescope, and which is an instrument to look at stars, right? So for those familiar with the headless right, it is, you know, pointing your face at stars and saying, I'm here. That's kind of like... I love that way of thinking. It is so, and I so, and on these telescopes, sometimes they have like a laser that they can follow, so they can know where what they're aiming at. So they, you know, if they want to aim at the moon or like a constellation or whatever. So that's an interesting synchronicity there as well. So I'm like, okay, something happened. So I go downstairs and I look up in a web browser. Uh, green laser telescope kind of thing. Like, what is this? First hit comes up with a company that has a reputation for making some of the best of these, and they're called Orion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which so, is the exact constellation that you're pointing towards. Yeah, exactly. In the headless right. Yeah. And then I, love it. I was like, okay, something, something happened. I'll accept that. I'll accept that as one hit, right? But if it's not more than that, it's like, uh, so what, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and then let's see. 
a few weeks later, I actually have a timeline in my journal. A few, it was a week or so later, I got a phone call from my sister that said, uh, mom's in the hospital. I think this is going to be it. Uh, mom had been sick for a time. Um, this was in April, I believe. Um, and, you know, she had been in the hospital before. It, You know, I wasn't happy about it, but I, I understood, you know, this is, is to be expected. So I'm writing, as this is happening, I'm writing everything, right? Uh, I'm at work in the office of the building that I manage. And then I look wistfully outside because I got a lot on my mind at that point, right? I look outside and I see this guy I recognize. I'm like, is this, call him S, what the fuck is he doing here? This is a guy I knew from the Maritimes, 2,000 kilometers away or whatever it is, that I wow. used to go in the door-to-door field ministry with. Like, the fuck is that guy doing on my sidewalk here? Um, <laughs> so I and my mother, of course, died a Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, in the, her whole life, she had wanted me to come back, right? So I'm like, ah, that's a whole lot of interesting. Yeah. So I walk out. He doesn't know that I that I'm there. I walk out uh, and uh, I greet him, and we talk a little bit. And they invite me to the kingdom hall, and I say no, and I walk away. And I I talk to my mother. I'm like, mom, this is not going to happen. I'm I'm not doing that i'm not going back there you forget about it um thank you but no like i understand why you want this but it's not going to happen and then i get a phone call from my sister mom died right so the at that point in time (laughs) i had been planning for a long time uh to record our band's first full-length album we had done an ep and this is my whole life I'm planning for this because I wanted to make music in a band my whole life. I basically got out of this cult for this reason. That's actually the one of the one of the things that spurred me on is when they came to my home and expressed concern about my music, right? And I <laughs> told them off. And then I go to the studio because we're working on this album. Uh, and I'm like, well, I guess we're going to keep working on this. I don't, cause I, I talked to my brother and my sister. I'm like, should I be going back for a funeral? What are we doing? Unprompted. They say, it's better if you don't come now, it's better if you come after everything's over and then we can spend, cause we can spend some time with dad and like help him out. So that works perfectly because the day that they have the funeral uh, it's I listened in on zoom and like a Jehovah's witness funeral is unfortunately they speak about five minutes about the person. And then it's an infomercial for their religion. Right. So, and then I, I listen to that and then I go to the studio (laughs) to record uh, this song, uh, which is the final song on on that i wrote for the album called big star 
<laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so so we do we do that. I got up. chills. Yeah. So I some time passes. I had some friends that had moved from Vancouver to Ireland, and I somehow I just like connected with them. And I spontaneously got the feeling like, let's just fucking go to Ireland, man. <laughs> yeah, as one and, does. Yeah, so I I met up with them in Ireland. And I think also I had, I came into a bit of money that my mother gave me. Uh, you know, we weren't rich people. It was just a little bit of money. But it was enough to like pay an Ireland, a trip to Ireland. So I'm like, let's go. I go to Ireland and I don't have a car. I don't know anything about this. I'm not a, like a super traveled person. You know, I just basically follow wherever, where my friends want to go. We go to, we go to County Clare turns out and we're driving around and we see this uh, ruin in the field. We're all immediately attracted to it. Like, Oh, let's, let's go to that ruin. And we go to a small town called Quinn and it's not like a tourist thing. It's just, it's got, you know, one pub as they all do these towns, one store and this Abbey that's in ruins. So we walk up, it's well taken care of. And we walk in there and just the atmosphere is just dense and thick with life. And even one of, the girls that we were with just spent a little bit of time and turned back and you turn the corner and you see like this icon of St. Peter that's watching you and you just get this heebie jeebies, man. Like, and you can look into these little eye holes of where the old coffins were all stacked up and where they kept the dead and it just like intense, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, it's not just because of, I'm new to Ireland. Like this uh, woman I we were there with, like she's from Ireland and she's getting this sense as well. So I'm like, Quinn Abbey. So I that night I start research all about Quinn Abbey and the era that this abbey was built on top of a, the foundation of a castle. And it's all about the history of this clan, Clan Ua Bryan, which is the Irish version of O'Brien, which is my mother's maiden name. Oh, wow. So my mother sent somebody to say, hey, you got to come back to Jesus. And I said, no. And then my mother died and she says, you're coming back to Jesus. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> this is like a, it's an abbey. It's all about, you know, these, these monks and stuff. And I'm like, I can't, okay, I can't ignore this stuff. Right. Uh, and then I don't know if it's after or before, but we did, I, it was after we did the album launch and I, I, I wasn't thinking about all these synchronicities at the time. I was just kind of going with things, right? And I just got this idea, let's do an album launch concert in a church. And so I found this, this uh, Anglican church that was willing to host, host us. And it just happened. I didn't know. It's the oldest church in Vancouver. And so we did this 
this launch in the church. And at the end of the day, I at, at the concert, I, everybody went out. I closed up shop and I had a, my little moment with Jesus. And it was like, okay, you're welcome here now. You can, you belong here the way you are kind of a moment. Mm. It's like you, you, you know, satisfied your mother's <laughs> requirements now. And uh, you can be this weirdo musician guy and you can be here. Right. So, mm. yeah. So that, that's my roughly the, the idea the story of the headless right. I may be forgetting some details, but that's basically the whole idea. So I don't take that right, you know, lightly. I know a lot of people do it over and over again, but when I did it, I don't know if I hit the right timing or what it was, but it it put me on a rocket ship, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am one of those people that does it over and over again. Hmm. Um, but I can totally see where you're coming from too. I think it's very similar to the Terrence McKenna idea of once you get the message, you hang up the phone. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. So I don't need to be redoing that, you know, redoing that thing, but still to this day, I get things that pull me back to that sort of thing. You know, the um, one time I was on the beach um, in uh, Sunshine Coast and, and, BC, and I'm looking at this constellation of Orion, of course, and I just had this download of another way of understanding this constellation. Um, yeah, it's just, it just like, it comes back, you know, there's always the theme coming back, like, like I said, like a song, like a piece of music. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting, too, considering the the idea of headless or bornless being, you know, having, having no beginning and therefore having no end. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, uh, let's go do the loop thing. Okay. When I first moved from the Maritimes to Squamish, um, I, but that, that's how I landed. I was house sitting for somebody. Uh, I went in the woods and the, in the Maritimes, the woods is like pretty low-lying forest, um, you know, because it's like harsher climate and a lot more uh, um, extracted, right? A lot more logging and stuff. I go to the Pacific Northwest and there's trees growing on trees. Like it's like there's ferns that remind you of like you think you're in the dinosaur times, like so I, that, that was just amazing. And that was when I was kind of actively extracting myself from the religious environment. Uh, I was on my way out, but I still had a foot in, I guess. Um, and I did like this meditation in the woods, the first one. And I had this vision of a, a, a lizard. And... Uh, I was like, I'm going to go home and draw this lizard. So I drew this lizard, but the lizard was uh, weirdly enough, like dressed in like a smoking jacket. And it had this vibe of like, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had a dude it. vibe, you know? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and like smoking a cigar, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I drew this lizard and I kind of forgot about it. 
And but I would keep coming back to this visual because it was one of the best drawings I'd ever done. Done, and it was I drew it very loose. Um, mm. I'm not like a very good illustrator or anything like that, but like I was proud of this particular drawing. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, I got to keep working on this. I did a Photoshop version. I took an actual lizard and I dressed him up in a smoking jacket and. Uh, like cigar smoke coming up. And in the back, there was like this, you know, Pacific Northwest jungle greenery looking thing. And I printed it out small and put it on the altar because I don't fuck it. Why not? Yeah. But I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I put a little speech bubble. I don't know why. And I put uh, in it, uh, put live it up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it felt like in like it was in the admin in the sense of like that what that lizard was but that's just what the lizard said right yeah exactly yeah. yeah and then one day i was like i'd like to know what this lizard's name is and what this creature is because it's just a very ambiguous thing and um it's i so i did a little prayer uh i want to uh to know your name and I'd like you to show up. That was, that was my request. And I had dreams related to it. Uh, if I checked my notes, uh, I know, uh, you know, I'd know what the dreams were, um, but they were related to this whole lizard thing. And then a couple, like, I don't know if days later or something like that, this guy moves out of the building I manage. And then um, he, uh, somebody had found this guy's lizard in the park gate. And it was like a, I think it was like a bearded dragon. Okay. So they come to me, like I'm the manager, like we found a lizard in the park gate. That's he's so going to die. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> ask and you shall receive kind of thing. Yeah. But, but it, then it becomes our responsibility what do you do right. with this lizard? You can't just throw it in the, in the garbage. You got to do something with this. And we do research. The SPCA won't take it because they'll, they'll kill it. And so we have to keep this lizard alive. So like, how do I keep this lizard alive? It's a cold blooded creature. And then we got the idea of the sauna. So we go in the sauna and then, uh, <laughs> and we set up the sauna, we put the lizard in a box, give it cucumbers. And, and the, the tenants who'd found this lizard, they said, his name is uh, Misty. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. How is his name Misty? He's like, I don't know. That's just his name. <laughs> so I go hang out with the lizard and the lizard obviously loves me because I'm body heat in the sauna. Right. And we figured out this guy, we called him up to come pick up the lizard and he comes up um, to get, to, he comes back to get his lizard, which I made like a pretty amazing connection with because he was on my chest and I could see the color come back to him, like this beautiful browns, you know, like desert color, right? Yeah. And uh, so he picks up the lizard and I'm like, what's the lizard names? What's the lizard's name? He said, the, the, I called him Biggs. So I had the both names, the Biggs Misty, right? That's oh, yeah. Name. And so I incorporated this lizard into the band's 
merchandise and the, the he, beca- he he became like the album cover he was on the album cover and all that and um you know big star his name was biggs and then now that i've moved to this new town uh my wife just told me the um the rock station the main the main station radio station is uh 104.7 the lizard right so and and i'm thinking just recently i'm realizing this is a bearded dragon it's a dragon yeah it's a dragon right <laughs> oh my gosh yes and i'm just playing to to me i i don't know what's going on <laughs> right that's but, when you're really yeah to me that is, is the zone yeah. that is the zone um when i am like and it's the same way when you describe writing um a song right it's I'm a hollow bone. I'm totally out of my own way. And it's just, it's flowing into the world through me. And I think that cool dance that you just described is something that's really, it's one of the most amazing things because it is a responsibility. It's a relationship, right? Like you're bringing this thing into the world. You are the midwife to this being. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're playing and you're asking for things. uh, And it's a, it's a, all the best stories teach you this lesson like careful what you wish for it that's not a don't wish for anything or wishing for something is gonna damage you it means that but it also means when your wish comes true you're gonna have to live that this is not a spectator sport like you actually have to do things (laughs) 100 i couldn't said it better myself yeah um, that's really funny. That story reminds me of one of my own, actually, if you don't mind me yeah, sharing please. with you. Yeah. This was when I first, first started getting into, just back into believing that any of this had any, even any worth in my life. You know what I mean? I had stopped writing. I had stopped everything. My only interest was, was getting high. Right. So this is where I'm at, but I'm kind of just coming back into it. So I had started doing planetary devotionals or prayers or whatever you want to call them. Right. So I was going to do, I had come up with this timing to do uh, Mercury is my chart ruler. So I had like a, an election that I wanted to do. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I don't know how to you make a talisman or anything, but like I knew that the Mercury was going to be Kazemi at this point. And you know, that might not even be a good time to do it. Honestly, I have no idea. For me, it was very chaotic and trickstery. So I had gotten, it was actually this ring that I'm wearing right now. And that was going to be a part of it, but I left it at work. And after getting groceries, I'd, I was walking at the time. So I'd walk to the grocery store, get an Uber from the grocery store, uh, put the groceries in the trunk. And um, I'd gotten out of the Uber and gotten home. And not only had I left my material that I'd bought for my spell or whatever I was going to do, but I'd also left all my groceries in the trunk of the Uber. And so I was going to have to pay extra money to have them bring those groceries back to me. And I was just like, well, this ruined everything. I felt really shitty about it. You know, like I had planned out this perfect timing and just nothing's going right. Well, a little backstory here. I had been joking with a friend of mine somehow about, I don't know how it even came up, but the idea of Mercury holding a sausage as a caduceus traveling through the underworld 
because um, Mercury was retrograde, right? And so we were talking about <laughs> Mercury going through the underworld and somehow like sausage caduceus came into the thing. I don't know how that happened. You know how it goes. <laughs> it's a conversation. And so we were laughing about that. I don't know. For some reason, it was an image that just has always stuck with me because of what happened then. So I'm sit- after I've got the groceries back, I'm sitting on my porch, just kind of dejected uh, with the groceries all around me. I don't even feel like going into the house yet and talking to my roommate. I'm just going to sit here and pout about it or whatever. And all of a sudden I see this black dog running up the street and I'm, I live right on the street. It wasn't in the subdivision or anything. There's a lot of traffic going by sort of in, I mean, it's in the city, but in Atlanta, you can really feel like you're in the country when you're in the city at places. And so this black dog comes running by and it doesn't have a collar. And I'm like, Oh, but that looks like someone's dog. So the first thought that I have, of course, is to like, because apparently I, live in a cartoon is I've got some sausage in the, in my groceries that I can use to lure this dog and, and get it. And so I can find its owner. You know what I mean? Cause it, it looked like it just run off. Well, I'm, I've got the sausage in my hand and I'm running out to the street to this dog has now turned a corner and is going away. And so I'm running after the dog when this blue van, funny enough, kind of a lot like the van I'm in right now this blue van pulls up with this tall, beautiful hippie chick um, driving it. And she's like yelling at the dog, like, Hey, Hey, get out of here. What, you know? And I'm like, what is going on? So she kind of comes between me and the dog and I'm standing there holding a a polar sausage and she rolls down the window and, and I'm like, Hey, is that your dog? And she says, no, but I heard that if you yell at them, they'll go back home. Anyway, see you later. I live right around the corner. I'll see you around the neighborhood. Never saw her again. The dog was gone. And I'm, she drives away. And I'm standing in the middle of the road holding a sausage. With a sausage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very mercurial. Yeah. And I even when I looked up like some of the rising sign like um, physical attributes, it would describe like what this woman looked like. You know what I mean? Mm. So in my eyes, she, that was, you know, an avatar of Mercury. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. I never saw her again. She said she lived right over there. I never saw her again. Blue van, attractive lady yelling at a dog yeah. holding a sausage. <laughs> 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 you can't write it man you can't make it up like it it's something that only happens yeah just <laughs> sometimes when you're not forcing it but then other times when just nothing's going right that's the time when you i don't know the message comes through you had another um one of the notes i have here to talk about is uh where are we where are they now yeah i just didn't want to forget about that you know i so so when when i was in vancouver i had this job i ended up getting the job at the building that i could watch being built from the roof of the building where i did the headless rights oh wow and it was a step up in terms of like profile so it's like it was a good like career thing 
but it was a terrible job. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. was not a good job. It was a, not a good building. It was not a successful project. Uh, and And then when this whole everybody became an authoritarian thing happened. Yeah. Um, I was eventually after a couple of years there, uh, even though I had been looking for work and not finding what I wanted and been wanting to get out of the city for a while, um, got a notice. Um, you know, if you don't tell us your vaccination status, uh, you're, we're going to shit can you. Hmm. So I bought myself as much time as I could there. And uh, my wife and I made a petition together to our imaginary friends. Um, you know, we, we need, we need something good. Um, this is, and plus her, her work situations was terrible and, uh, you know, it was, we paid our dues, let's have something good. And we didn't ask for specifics. We asked for, uh, here's how we want to feel when we get our new thing. Um, so, and then we got here, we managed to get here and it's a beautiful land. Um, there's a whole bunch of <laughs> dreams and stuff that happened on our way here too. Um, I don't know how much time you got, but uh, we got I mean, here. Do you want to talk about some of them? Well, yeah, it's pretty fresh. So I don't know all it's that it means, but uh, right. you know, having gotten here, I can tell that those themes are coming back. Like, like I said, the the rock stations, the lizard, um, and my wife has gotten her own, you know, types of echoes you know and um but yeah on the way here uh, we are i was thinking about i got this opportunity to come straight here this, specifically this town and um i had a dream about this opportunity um i had i think i might even have asked for a dream or asked for some sort of guidance and it was a dream of a grizzly bear bull rushing me uh, because she was with her cubs. It is a pretty terrifying dream. And it yeah. got me thinking maybe I shouldn't be taking this job and going there. And then I, um, I, I collect comic books and I had ordered comic books from a guy from this town, not knowing, not really realizing and forgot about this. And they just, they came, they came in, you know, shortly after this dream. And it was a, a series uh, about uh, a, the God of misfortune <laughs> and all the comic book covers was like danger, stay away, you know, bad luck, <laughs> all this stuff, like in city in ruins. And I was like, damn, like, am I being told something? And so I did a, a, a vision quest or a journey or whatever you want to call it. I just right. call it doing, I just, I don't call it anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and I went to talk to this mama bear and, uh, 
And then Mama Bear was kind of, she did show up and she was standoffish and uh, she was concerned for her children. And I said, she asked me, what is it that I wanted the most when I went there? And I said, well, I would really like to have friends that are indigenous. And it, I, and the, when I say that, I don't mean like, I want to learn indigenous life ways. I just, I just want friends that are indigenous. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, it's just, my heart says that. Right. Um, because I, where I lived before near a reserve and I, I had an opportunity to have friends, but I was in a religious cult and, you know, it's, um, you know, I had a good opportunity that went to waste up, you know, unfortunately. And, I would like to be able to have that. And immediately when I said that, she's everything was cool. Hmm. Right. And she gave wow. me a big bear, bear hug. <laughs> and then after that, everything was pretty smooth going with all this job search. I even like I, when I was doing my rosary, all of a sudden I got this, uh, this like download of mama bear is the Holy mother. You know, and then yeah, I was well. given a mama bear version of the rosary. Oh, wow. It's all land, land based. It's all about the land, right? Um, so I'm not saying that's what it is. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, Holy Mary is the bear or anything like that. But I didn't know anything. It's all happening quickly. And then I do research on the city and the city's. Uh, the city got its name. It's called, it, it name is Grizzly Bear. Name huh. means Grizzly Bear because legend has it that there was one guy who was uh, like a, maybe a fur trapper or a hunter, or like a, a white guy who was living in this like kind of shelter in the dirt or something. And he like got super long hair and beard and then uh, some indigenous people saw him come out of like this dugout shelter and they were like, Oh, he looks like a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the, the name came from. And if you go downtown, there's a bear uh, sculpture that has like these little fairy lights and butterflies inside. And um, so it's, yeah, it's, this is all shit. I don't, I didn't know anything about this, you know, going in. So it just, you know, it's real. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it never gets old to hear about it. And it shouldn't surprise me anymore, but it always still does. Right. I'm well, always still it's like, because, wow. Uh, it's because we're starved. You know, we yeah. live in in a in a world that uh, has banished these things from our life. But this is who we are. This is who our soul is, and we're, we're just when we have these experiences, it's like having a drink when you've been parched in the desert your whole life. You know, yeah. it's we're we're not alive until we have these sorts of. Um, Special encounters, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have had a few. Right, uh, 
I'm grateful that the ancestors saw fit to, you know, give me a few and, uh, you know, I'm nothing. We're not, we're not anything special, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. We're just, everything's bigger than us. And we just, I often say, I just work here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, the, I'm just the guy that's holding the sausage at the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because when I do, when I, I'm able to take my place there. That's when the amazing things can happen. Mm. You know? Well, uh, when you able to take your place there, what do you mean? In that place of humility. Oh, yeah. When I'm experiencing too much me, it shuts out all of that. That's just how I, how I experience it. Yeah, yeah. The glossolalia and the meditation, it gets me out of, those are things that are really useful for that because it, it does take me out of me hmm. or maybe just realizing that me is bigger. Yeah. It's about, uh, it's hard to put in words, but it's got something it to do with connection. Yeah. Without spirit, I just don't feel connected. You know, I just feel gray. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Just starved is like you said before, right? Mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on i'm glad that you uh let me come on i appreciate that and you let me ramble on about my crazy stories i really enjoyed your sausage story <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed your stories it's oh it's so good to hear this stuff and it's nice to just feel like you're not alone right like uh exactly you know, i'm tomorrow i'm going to work and it's uh i gotta be in that gray zone again then uh, it's I can't maintain that level of enchantment uh, all the times. So maybe some some people can, but uh, it's just I appreciate to be able to to speak uh, freely with someone who will who will understand and uh, and, and listen and, and make me feel welcome. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you're always welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so there you go. Jason's right. It is incredibly refreshing to hear these stories and to be able to talk about this stuff without being looked at askance. And maybe some are, and that's fine. But this is a place where you can come and talk about the things you've encountered and the experiences that you've had and be welcome. And so if you'd like to come share your story, visit us at www.nightbirdpodcast.com. Drop me a line, because I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to have you on and hear what you have to say about your encounters with spirit. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.